Hello, I'm Abigail Austin, and this is The Eco Enthusiast, a podcast where we explore the world of everyday people making a difference in the environmental movement. Today, I'm speaking with Renee McLennan. Renee and her husband, Tim, and their two children are currently making preparations for their trip around Australia without using one drop of fossil fuel. Uh, There was a certain Prime Minister a number of years back that made some comments about electric vehicles. One was that electric vehicles would ruin your weekend, that EVs would never tow your boat, tow your caravan or take you to your favourite camping spot. So I think there's been quite a lot of misinformation in Australia and that has been fuelled by people in leadership positions like Scott Morrison. So it's great to be able to help to dispel some of those myths. I had a great time today chatting with Renee about her electric adventure that she's taking with her husband and their two children. I'm a little bit jealous, I have to say. Uh, It looks really exciting and yet she's an incredibly enthusiastic and optimistic spirit and we need more examples like this in the environmental movement. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with the wonderful Renee McLennan. So I was just wondering where you got you guys got this idea to do this trip around Australia without using a drop of fossil fuels. So where did this come from? I guess it's the first question. We've got two kids and my daughter just turned 10. So I'm really conscious that a decade has gone past really quickly and that more of her childhood's behind her than in front of her. And so part of it is really wanting to spend as much quality time with her and my son as I can while we've got the opportunity. And when my husband was a little boy, his family did a trip around Australia when he was the same age that my daughter and son are now. And it was just a really, it was a trip that had a huge impact on him. Like he talks about it a lot now. It was really profound in the way that it helped to shape who he is as a person. And I guess his connection with nature and with country And so when we had the opportunity to to take some time, he's got long service leave this year, we thought we'd love to do the same thing with our kids and get them to really appreciate beautiful country. And over the recent years, we've gone through the process of electrifying our whole whole home. We've gone through the stage of having a hybrid vehicle to a plug-in to a fully electric vehicle. And the idea of going back to using a vehicle that was consuming diesel or normal fuel really wasn't appealing on lots and lots of levels. So we figured that if we were able to do it in a way that didn't require us to to use petrol or diesel, then that's what we'd ideally like to do. I guess everything that we do, we really try and um, if there's a way for us to tread a bit more lightly, then that's what we try and choose to do. And then there's also the other factor. You might remember there was a certain Prime Minister a number of years back that made some um, comments about electric vehicles. Um, one was that electric vehicles would ruin your weekend, that EVs would never tow your boat, tow your caravan or take you to your favourite camping spot. So I think there's been quite a lot of misinformation in Australia and that has been fueled by people in leadership positions like Scott Morrison. So it's great to be able to, I guess, help to dispel some of those myths myths and if we can help to progress more sustainable transport in Australia through our journey then you know that's a a really exciting aspect as well. Wow yeah I feel like you're doing so much 
in just one trip, like so many positive things. I love that thing that you said about spending this time with your children because it's so true. The time We all know the time just flies by. And someone said to me recently, they're like, what would you do if you won like a million dollars? I would like, I was like, I would just spend the year walking with my husband and my child, like going hiking and slow travels around Europe and whatnot, because I just want to spend, that's what I, all I want. I want time with my family. That's literally the most yeah. important thing to me right now. There's nothing more valuable. So yeah, I love that. And it's lovely how your husband can still remember this experience. And there's the eco part of your trip, which is giving an example of how you great EVs are and how this is possible. But there's that other layer, which is you're actually teaching your children about the place that they live and how beautiful it is and how important it is to take care of it. So there's, there's many layers to what you're doing. So it's wonderful. I, I think it's fantastic. How long are you going for? Like how long will this trip be? So we've got nine months. So that's a decent period of time. It's been really interesting. But there was an article um, that you may have seen that was published recently about our trip and it referred to it taking nine months. And there's been a lot of commentary around attributing that nine months to being a slow trip because of electric vehicles, when in fact it's nine months because we have nine months and we want to spend that nine months together. And I found it really, it's been interesting because when people go on trips like this, you don't go to rush, you go to slow down, you go to spend time together, to sit in nature, to appreciate it. So it's, yeah, it's been quite interesting to see how people's responses have been around the nine month time frame as a negative, as opposed to something that's, we're so fortunate to have such a large amount of time to spend together and to spend traveling and exploring. Yeah, exactly. I think we have a very warped way of looking at things because I think that this is like a dream trip. And I, like, I've even started to do a few slow travel trips here, like avoiding the airplane where I can and so on. And it's, and I've just noticed that it's those time, like those down times when we're on the ferry or whatnot and, and you get bored that like we're inventing stories and we're connecting. And that's the stuff that I love, that I feel that we're missing. We're just jumping from one thing to the next. And I think it can make us quite stressed. So just like sitting into this trip at, together for nine months, I think it's it's fantastic. And I hope it inspires other people to, if you can't take nine months, but just think about going slower. You do not have to rush off in, in an airplane somewhere. And what does that do to you when you have to rush? Like it changes everything. It changes the quality of your relationships and your interactions and all of that. So yeah, I think it's fantastic. So yeah, I know nothing about cars, by the way, because <laughs> I'm probably one of the few people that's, I've never driven a car in my life which is right. from a fear of driving. Not really a fear of it. I just got was lazy and then it came into a fear. Anyway, I, I know nothing about cars. Like I, I can't even identify <laughs> the difference between cars. I'm terrible. But for someone that does know like a lot about cars and EVs and all of that, what have been some of the challenges? What have you had to do to your car to be able to go on this trip? Have there been, yeah, how did you go about it is the question. So there's not a lot that we've had to do to the car itself. We've been really fortunate to get one of the first all-wheel drive electric vehicles in Australia. It's been slow to get the kind of vehicles here that have been available for quite some time overseas. But the vehicle we've got has adequate towing capacity. It's got two and a half tonne towing capacity, so you can tow a very decent sized camp trailer, medium sized caravan if you want. 
it's we're putting a solar panel on the roof of it just to give us some additional um, power generation ability but the vehicle itself we haven't needed to do anything to it's more the tow whatever we're towing so the camper trailer that we'll be using um we have We've taken out all of the gas appliances. Usually you'd have your gas hot plate and things like that in a caravan. So we've taken all of that out and replaced it with induction cooktops. We've replaced the gas fridge with an electric fridge, which actually uses 10% of the power of um, the fridge that was originally in there. We've added some batteries in and there's quite a large surface area on the roof. So we've been able to put, I think, 2.1 kilowatts of solar panels on the roof. But the main thing is the aerodynamic modifications. So the limitation in Australia really is the large distances and that there's still limited infrastructure. So in some of the more remote areas to get comfortably between charging points, we wanted to try and make sure that was achievable. So the idea behind the aerodynamic modifications is to reduce um, the, the drag of the tow of the camper trailer so that we've got more assurance of getting to the next charging station. Yeah, they're the main things really that we've had to do in order to feel confident that we're going to be able to safely get to where we need to go between charges. I guess the other thing to remember though is unlike petrol stations, there there are power points everywhere. Worst case scenario, you can plug into a normal mains power point and it's going to take a while, but you can still get your electricity to charge the EV. Even if things don't go quite to plan sometimes, which always happens on on a trip, there are those kind of backup options. Not ideal, but they're still very, very practical. I had no idea about that. That's fascinating. That's super cool. Yeah, I think it's a great example in Australia because, yes, there are those long distances, which is, and with Scott Morrison's comments and all of that stuff, this will be, really be great if you manage to be able to, to do it and show it can be done and prove to people, go and get your EVs and this is a, definitely an option. You said that your house was completely like an eco-friendly house as well. What? Why are you eco-friendly? Like, why are you in your house? <laughs> what I mean by that is not everyone is. So when did you yeah. personally go, oh, my God, like we have to take care of the planet. We have to start thinking about how we live here. Has that always been a part of your life? Or was there a moment where you made a change? I think it's always been part of who I am, which it's not really – It's I am definitely an outlier within my family, so it's not something that I grew up surrounded by. But I had this really clear memory of when I was a little girl and driving into Perth City at night and I was in the back seat of the car with my brother and sister and my parents in the front and all of the lights were on in the high-rise office buildings in the city. And I remember being so distressed that there was all this power that was being used unnecessarily when there was nobody in the buildings. And I look back at that and think, obviously, from right back at that early stage, there was something within me that I guess felt a sense of our planet and environment. And I actually had planned to have a career in environmental science and for various reasons at the last minute, that didn't happen. Basically, uh, a lovely professor at one of the university open days told me that I'd spend my days testing algae in swamps if I did that degree. And so that wasn't so appealing. And I changed my mind at the very last second. And it's been interesting because in recent years, I've had the opportunity to be involved in our local government. And it's brought me back again to having an opportunity to do something 
proactive and positive to help the environment. And it's really been something that has been very fulfilling. So I think it's always been there. Obviously, having children, and I imagine you've experienced this yourself as well, you have a renewed sense of the importance of doing what I can to ensure that their future is positive and healthy. I guess our whole job as a parent is to make sure that our children have good futures and often that's around having the right education, having enough money to live well, but without having a healthy environment, those things don't really matter. So I think looking after the environment and the world that they'll inherit and that they'll grow up and live in, that's really an important part of our responsibility as parents to them. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I see lots of parents worrying about those two things you just mentioned before, education and finances, which are important, but there's this whole other big piece that not everyone seems to be connecting with, but I think they slowly are. I think it's starting to happen, but yeah. You said you were involved in the local government. What have you been doing there? And how? Do, and when did that happen? When did you get involved in that? So about 10 years ago, so when my daughter was born, I took voluntary redundancy from my work. I was teaching at the university in the School of Physiotherapy at the time and the voluntary redundancies were offered and I took it because I wanted to have more time with my daughter. And not long after that, there were local government elections and community is always something that's been really important to me. And very naively, (laughs) I had very little knowledge of local government or what it meant to be an elected member. I nominated and was elected. So I spent the first couple of years as a councillor and then I was elected mayor for a number of years. And then a couple two years ago, I chose to step back to the deputy role because it had been quite intense. I had another child during that period and so on. And just recently, I didn't really nominate because we had this trip coming up and really to be able to represent the community, you should be in the community, not travelling <laughs> around the country. But... That has been a really incredible opportunity to make a real impact within my circle of influence, being my local community. And I'm fortunate because there is a real, there's a real culture of sustainability within my local area. And we've been able to do some really great things and work together as a community to do things that in themselves might not be huge. Working together, it's really encouraging when you can see that you are making steps in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think those they're so important, that those small steps. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. So to encourage people to hear other people's small steps and to remember that everyone's doing their small thing. And when that we add all these up, it's quite substantial. So that's fantastic. And do you think you will go back to that after you come back from the trip? Oh, that's not entirely up to me. That's up to whether I was re-elected <laughs> if I did choose to nominate. Um, possibly. I... I've really enjoyed being able to have a broader influence and impact. A lot of the work I've done in the past, I've felt like I've had impact one-on-one, which has been great. But in these kind of community leadership positions, it does give you a real opportunity to reach people more broadly and have impact in people's lives that you ordinarily might not cross paths with. So that's something that I've found I've really enjoyed. And look, I want my life to be as meaningful as possible. And I feel like the more impact that I can have, the more influence I can have, then the more worthwhile it is investing my time in those things. 
Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you say you had this perspective of the community and you're in a community that does have a culture of sustainability or people that are concerned about it. But you say you also meet people that you might normally cross paths with. What do you Mm -hmm. think is the biggest obstacle that we all face or in Australia or in Australian towns? What do you think is the biggest obstacle we face in terms of getting people active and on board with like climate action and environmental action? What do, what have, what's your personal thoughts on that? One of the factors just has to be that life is so busy and that people are just getting on with getting through their day, paying their mortgage, picking their kids up from daycare, getting them fed, all those things that we all do but can consume so much of our time and energy. There's very little left for anything else. I think as well there's been so much misinformation yeah. put out there. And there's been a lot of things that make the state of the world seem so overwhelmingly pessimistic that people are paralysed to feel like they can do anything. And so they do nothing. And that perpetuates that cycle of feeling helpless and hopeless and that it doesn't matter what you do because it's all doom and gloom anyway. And I think that's where we've got a real opportunity to make an impact in that particularly when people come together and you were just talking about it as well that you do your own little individual thing and it feels insignificant when you look at all the problems we're facing but when you are aware that you're part of something much bigger and that each of your little individual actions when they combine together really do amount to something substantial and that can generate the kind of momentum that's needed for really significant change yeah yeah for sure for sure we have a few questions that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Yeah. One of them is, what has been your most profound moment in nature? So when I was probably in my early 20s, I used to volunteer at these great camps over summer with you know, young people. So some of them were kids, some of them were teenagers. And I remember this one camp in particular. It was down in the south- southwest of WA and we took all these young people to a cave we went down into the depths of the cave, into the really, you know, the big cavern, and everyone turned their lights off and it was just pitch black and silent. And then someone started singing and the whole group joined in and it was just this moment of connection and stillness. And I remember the sound of the singing was amazing, but then when everyone stopped and, again, it was just silent and dark It was incredible. Those chills that you get, it was that kind of a feeling. And I took my kids to a cave recently and it wasn't the same experience, obviously, but even just going into the cave again, re-brought those memories up again. It was so powerful. It was really beautiful. Wow, that sounds incredible. Yeah, nature and the human voice, they're so powerful. And together, I can imagine that. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Another question we have is, imagine that you're an old woman coming to the end of her life and she's going to get a grandma and she's going to give on some advice to her grandchildren. What advice would you give to your grandchildren? This is probably something I need to give some more thought to, but I think one of the things that I really want to convey to my children now, not only from a grandchild, is it just about the importance of connection. So connection to one another, so connection to nature and how we're all interdependent and 
you know, it's so easy in modern world to be very individualistic and be so focused on me and my life and what I need and almost to the exclusion of others and forgetting that sort of the health and the well-being of all of us, all the people, all of nature is so dependent upon us being connected and respecting one another and working alongside each other in a way that's harmonious. And I guess as well that comes back to that question of hope as well and relationships and throughout history people have done incredible things and achieved so much and I think that idea of working together, recognising the importance of the connection to nature and the connection to other people in order to be able to do great things in future is probably one of the things I really want to make sure that my kids understand and that it's not all about them. They might do really well, but if other people and if nature is suffering, then ultimately it's going to be bad for them as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, that it's all connected. Yet it's a really important message that that, that is has been lost. But at, once again, there is an opportunity to teach this again and to relearn it. And I, I think we are starting to relearn it a little bit when depending on where you're looking and how you're looking at things. But I, I do think we're craving that and people are... I hope starting to put the pieces together. But I was speaking to someone the other day and we're talking about, it was just a silly question because I teach English here. And it was something along the lines of, oh, should university educate, give me an argument of why university education should be free or why it shouldn't. And she's like, I don't really, I would only care if I can pay for the university for my child. Why would I, I don't really care about that. That's not really going to affect me. And it was just, and, and she's a lovely person and very intelligent. But it's just because we become so individualized. And I said, but if we have a whole community of, of stupid people, <laughs> like <laughs> how's your child going to do in a community of stupid people? And she went, oh, yeah. But we've just really become so hyper-focused on our own story that we just forget that if others are not doing well, it is really bad for us in a selfish yeah. way. If you want to look at it even in a selfish way, it is not good. Yeah. <laughs> I think also with that, it's I've personally for myself, because I really wasn't very active. I was just very doom and gloom. And what's real, it's really connecting to the stories of people from the past that has managed mm-hmm. to make me go, it's never been easy. The, yeah. This is the journey. This is the, the adventure. It's a challenge and there's beauty to be found in it. So, yeah, I agree. Connection's definitely really important. What is one thing that you hope never changes? Following on what we said a minute ago, that sense of hope that people continue to be grateful and have a sense of hope for the future, that there is there are challenges to overcome, but that people continue to, to see possibilities, to see a positive future and to work towards something even better. Most of us that live here in Australia have pretty fantastic lives even the people who are struggling compared to a lot of people in the world we are really fortunate and I guess appreciating that and also looking for looking to a future where it's even better than what we have now and so often the message is oh if we're going to look after the environment and cut emissions it's going to mean a sacrifice in terms of way of life and quality of life and I don't think that is necessarily the case. It might mean some changes, but not necessarily changes that affect us in a negative way. But, yeah, really seeing that there is a positive future and something to hope for ahead despite the challenges. Yeah. 
I've lost you for a second. I lost you. There you go. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely about re- really reframing these sacrifices that people are talking about. And you can see them scared of like these changes. But they're, they're, from what I'm hearing, people embracing them, people really going, okay, let's try it out. There's a load of positives to be found there. People are finding mm-hmm. amazing stuff. Yeah, I think we've really got to commit. That's what I'm hoping to, when I'm following your journey, I'm really looking forward to seeing the things that you find as you go on this trip to inspire all of us to go on the adventures because we do, we copy each other. We do very quickly. That gives me a lot of hope. So when I saw your story, I was like, this is fantastic. I I love it. What, you're a very eco person. What is one habit that you think all eco enthusiasts should pick up? I don't think this is so much an eco habit as such, but in terms of being able to maintain momentum and positivity, I think it's really important to surround yourself with positive, like-minded people that are going to encourage you on your journey. You know, if we want to impact the world, if we want to do things a bit differently, like I said, there will be some challenges, even if there are lots of benefits to it. It's always a little bit more difficult when you're, yeah. you're going earlier ahead of other people. And to have that impact and to be able to continue on, often we need that encouragement and we're going to be so much more effective if we've got a team of people around us that we're working together. So I think you know, trying to do things on your own isn't as much fun <laughs> and it's, it's a lot harder. It's just really that importance of finding your people, surrounding yourself with people who will encourage you and support you and when you're having a, a day where it's all feeling doom and gloom will help to pull you up out of that sense and show you the hope and you can do for them on the days when maybe they're feeling a bit more overwhelmed. For sure. It's so important. And I started a group here for that reason, because I didn't, like you, I just didn't have the people that were concerned or interested about that. And I felt very isolated. So I had to create a group. And it's interesting what you said there, because I remember one day someone was feeling down and I don't know what I wrote, but I wrote like a paragraph of just of encouragement and how these things are really important, the changes in in and of themselves. And an uplifting message and then there was a day maybe a few months later and I was like you could tell I was down about everything related to the environment and she sent me back my own message <laughs> and uh, and she's like, she goes a wise person once told me this and it was actually it was quite beautiful that she had saved it and, and sent it back to my own words because you you do you need it you need each other's positive energy and to keep it up and moving forwards yeah, definitely. It's there's, There are definitely challenges that we've got ahead, but I really believe that there are solutions. And even for the things that we haven't yet found the solutions, humans have done great things and will continue to do great things in the future. I have a lot of faith in our ability to solve the problems that we face. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with me today, Renee. You've inspired me and I'm sure you can inspire many people. Yeah, just thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll let you know how we go. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Renee. Yeah, I found her a breath of fresh air, just super positive. And yeah, as I said, I'm envious. I would love to do this trip. I think there's nothing more valuable than taking time with your family. It's We're always worried about all the things we need to buy. We're always worried about the future. And, but the time that you have with your children, there's nothing more precious than that. And look at the impact that 
taking time out to go into nature has had on Renee's husband. He's now pushing for this to teach his children the same things that he was taught by his parents. So I find it all a really beautiful story. So yeah, please, I've added links to the show notes. Please go and follow them. I was chatting to Renee afterwards and she was like, oh, there's so much more I could say about this. So we're gonna catch up with them later this year and see how they're going on their journey. This year, I said to myself that I wasn't going to finish the podcast with nature poetry because I was trying to keep the podcast a little bit shorter and yeah, no, we weren't getting many poems sent in. So I was finding some beautiful poetry on the internet. But last week, I opened my email and I found a beautiful nature poem sent in. So we're going to finish the episode today with a nature poem. And if you do have a nature poem and you do want to send it in, please do to www.theecoenthusiastpodcast.com because I will read them out if I get them. So please send in your nature poetry. We need more in the world. Today's poem was sent in by Julie Heras. It was a poem that her daughter wrote when her daughter was five years old. Her daughter's now 17, but she held on to this poem, this beautiful piece of poetry written by a small child because she thought it was profound, and I, I think it is too. I hope you enjoyed today's poem by Elizabeth Heras. It's titled Wind, and we will see you next time on The Eco Enthusiast. The wind, what a lovely wind. It blows through my curls. What a beautiful day. The trees can dance in the wind so far away. My eyes see them. The wind, the wind. It says a lullaby to my toes. And everywhere it goes, it makes the day beautiful. <laughs>